It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, this is the final episode in our Muscular Christian series, Part 7, The Awkward Zone. Uh, I have a tendency to gravitate towards the word awkward. Uh, I I feel like it's a good description of a lot of Christianity. And if you've ever gone up to someone on a street, in an airport, in a restaurant, and just forthrightly started talking to them about their soul and about Jesus Christ, it's hard to get the right adjective to describe such a maneuver Because I think all of us feel a little guilty that it doesn't feel natural and that it doesn't feel fluid. It feels very awkward. And especially when you get uh, responses that are not very favorable. Uh, And especially when other people add to the awkwardness by saying, what are you doing? Uh, No, I don't want to talk about that. And so awkward is a pretty good description of what it's like for the saints of God to be in hostile territory, but still at the same time being winsome and desirous to be free in the spirit to share Jesus wherever they go. There is a bit of awkwardness in it, and we spend a deal of our life trying to work through that awkwardness to the point where it becomes normal and natural for us to look like buffoons, right? Uh, So welcome to Christianity. Uh, I consider it a great privilege to function in the awkward zone. So let's dive into this. Uh, The reason I'm using that term, the awkward zone, is to contrast it with another zone that we are familiar with, and that's the comfort zone. So we have the comfort zone versus the awkward zone. And if I were to give you the choice and say, okay, which would you rather function in? Okay, if you could have the awkward zone or the comfort zone, which one are you going to choose? And I would say, if this didn't sound like a trick question, which I have a hunch it does, because you know that I've just made the Christianity likened to the awkward zone. So I could see some of you going, I'm going to choose the awkward zone. However, technically, if you were without any ramifications for going either way, right, you would all choose, along with me, we would choose the comfort zone. We, We gravitate naturally to that which is comfortable, that which fits us. That's which, that which is familiar to us, and that's why it's called a comfort zone. And we all have comfort zones, and we cultivate comfort zones, and we try and expand our comfort zone, which is ironically what many of us are trying to do here on earth. We're trying to make what is an awkward zone as believers into a comfort zone. That's like we're, we're laboring overtime trying to do it. It's like, how can I make Christianity fit into this world? And technically, Christianity will never fit into this world in the sense that we are wanting There is a battle that we are engaged in, and the systems of heaven do not fit in with the systems of this earth. We sort of want to squint and say, maybe they could, but technically one of the critical dimensions of growing strong and muscular in our Christian life is to recognize that it's high time we embrace the awkward zone instead of constantly pining after the comfort zone. So the ancient Waldensian training method. I spent a deal of my life studying the Waldensians. They're also called the Vidoi. They were an ancient group of Christians that lived in the Italian Alps. Very interesting stories. And they sort of lived through that time we understand as the Dark Ages, and uh, where it looked like the light of the gospel was eclipsed and went out. 
when in actuality they were still shining a bright light in caves oftentimes uh and many of them were were slaughtered killed martyred i mean it's it's quite dramatic stories uh but uh, they had a method for training young men to actually enter into what i could call the awkward zone but into very difficult situations because back in those days if you actually publicly proselytized evangelized you could just be killed for it the the penalty was death uh, for sharing the the gospel or sharing the good news and so it wasn't a minor uh, decision that someone was making when they chose to engage a soul with the truth and so here, here's how it worked they had sort of a system of age where age in their in their culture was very very important and the elders the gray-headed ones uh, were the ones that took the younger ones under their wing and so what they would do is they would go out in twos and one of the older men i, I believe their names were barbs which sounds really funny since my mom's name is barb uh it's it's always sounded a little awkward to my ears to think of an older man named barb or a barb is what he was but that was like an old messenger a leader of the church uh in the waldensian culture and one of these barbs would take under his wing a young man say uh 16 17 18 years old and they would head towards a village now they would be going there as merchants and that was their cover and they had wares they were genuine merchants but what they would do is they'd be praying the whole time. They would enter a city, and the moment they even stepped into that city, they were in very dangerous territory. If they were discovered for what they were really up to, which was truly to change the world for Jesus Christ, then they would be brutally uh, killed. So uh, you could just imagine being a 16-year-old and knowing that just as you step across the threshold of a city or a town. And so what they would do is they would evaluate, spiritually sort of evaluate when they were in a home, if this family, this individual was ready to hear something else that they carried. And if they felt that this person was sensitive and maybe ready to hear something, they would present yet another product that they had, if you could call it that. And that was the pearl of great price. And to receive it, it would cost them everything, but then they would get the kingdom of heaven. And so this is how they function. To, to train that young man, what they would do is they would put that young man under an older man. And when they got to the edge of the city, at that point where the young man wanted to run, the same point that many of us have never had an older believer with us at. And at that point where it's just up to us and like, I don't really feel like this. This is way out of my comfort zone. And we end up stopping our forward movement. However, what would happen in this situation is the Barb knew, because he remembers being 16, 17, or 18, he remembers being the young man in this situation. And so what he does is he basically helps the young man forward. I always sort of picture it taking his hand, but that feels a little awkward too, right? But taking him and moving him across that threshold of obedience into the awkward zone, a zone that he in his own way would never go into because human, humanity isn't attracted to that at all. But he is going to help him acclimate. And once you get across that awkward zone, the awkward zone actually does become the zone of grace. It becomes a place filled with the presence of God. And technically, you start to like the awkward zone. The threshold, the threshold of obedience. This is what I've always called it. I've called it this since I was probably around 18 years old. 
And I've looked at it in my life many times where I get to that point and I recognize, okay, there's not an old Barb in my life. I mean, I have my mom, yes, whose name is Barb, but don't get them confused. I didn't have that older gray-headed man that could take me in this direction in the way that was different than the Christian culture around me. In other words, I'm not trying to disparage my upbringing. It was amazing. However, there is something that the ancient Christians had that I didn't. We call it that father of the faith that is bold to say, hey, let's go take that soul for Jesus. And I've always said, hey, God, I'm missing something. I'm missing that barb in my life. And I feel like God, in his way, communicated to me, Eric, I'm, I can be that for you. I'm a father to the fatherless or a barb to the barbless. Uh, he will make up the difference and fill that gap. But there's a threshold, there's a line that we need to step across and move into the awkward zone. Uh, if you're seeing the video of this, I have a slide that says Bourbon Street. Uh, Bourbon Street, I'm going to try and make this simple because it's sort of a hard story to enunciate quickly. But when I was a missionary, a young missionary, and I don't know if I was 19, 20 years old, but this group that I was with was down in inner city New Orleans. And it was right at the time of Mardi Gras. And I was working, I believe, in a halfway house at the time. I can't, it, it, some, of, some of the details are a little blurry, but I wasn't there to go evangelizing on the streets of uh, New Orleans. I was there ministering to homeless uh, people. And uh, it was more in my, I mean, it was out of my comfort zone, but it was more in my comfort zone than what they were, what this group was going to do. They wanted to go out on a Friday night to Bourbon Street with a big, huge cross and evangelize right in the middle of Mardi Gras. Oh boy, that was out of my comfort zone. And I fought this tooth and nail. I mean, I, I had every argument coming out of me uh, that I could. And yet I sensed that God was nudging me in this direction. But the whole while, even when we parked, we were carrying the pieces of the, the cross. I, I found myself walking about 20 feet away from the group. I was ashamed. It was interesting. And I even noticed it as I was walking. It's like, what's wrong with me, God? Why am I so afraid of associating myself with these pieces of wood? And then when we got on Bourbon Street, I, I wanted to share Jesus. I, I genuinely wanted people to know Jesus, but I found that the difficulty of it, that threshold of obedience was like so difficult and I couldn't in my own strength get across it. These other guys seemed so familiar with the what I'm calling the awkward zone that they were happy. I, I looked at them as rather ignorant. Do they not realize that they look like fools? And like, was my social sensitivity just, you know, polished and theirs weren't? And I, I remember they were standing, taking turns standing by the cross, holding their arm around it in the middle, and they would get things thrown at them. They were yelled at, they were spat upon, you know, people threw beer on them. And I'm thinking, what, what a terrible idea. Who came up with this idea? And so I was sort of bouncing on my toes under the shadows under some eave somewhere on Bourbon Street and, uh, you know, praying like, God, bring someone up to me that I could share Jesus with. You know, the type of situation where someone comes up to you and says, hey, are you a Christian? I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, and they said, uh, well, tell me about Jesus. You know, that's what I wanted. God, if you give me that, I, I will gladly share it's not usually how it works. You see, usually to reach a soul, you have to step out of a comfort zone and into an awkward zone. And I remember the group probably recognized that I wasn't doing so well, and they hatched a plan. I still would call it a conspiracy. But they invited me over to hold the cross. And my instinct would be to say no to that. I mean, why would Eric Ludi ever agree to that? And yet I found myself saying, okay, 
I mean, what was wrong with me? How, do, how could I possibly agree to this? And I walked over there. I remember putting my arm around the cross in the middle of Bourbon Street, shaking like a leaf. And something changed the moment I did. And I stood there for the next four hours, late into the night, early into the morning. And it was probably four of the greatest hours up to that point in my life that I'd ever experienced. I felt so near to Jesus in such an awkward place. There was grace for the awkward zone. But how would I ever know that unless I went there? And something about what this group did in conspiring to get me to put my arm around that, it'd almost be like, Eric needs to taste the awkward zone so he can know the grace that is available to him there. And I found it. And it changed me. I mean, it had such an impact on the trajectory of my life from that moment forward. So here's the principle of the awkward zone. Grace is supplied when in the awkward zone. Grace is not supplied for the comfort zone. Now, it does not mean that God doesn't have grace for you when you're in a comfort zone. It just means it's not supplied to you. You see, you don't need it when you're in your comfort zone. You see, grace is what you need when you're in the awkward zone, when you're in that place of obedience. And grace is far better than earthly comfort. If you were to measure them on a scale, you would find that earthly comfort has no weight to it. But heavenly comfort, that grace, is truly remarkable and worth pouring out everything to get. I still remember Jackie Pollinger, who worked in the walled city of Hong Kong for like 40 years. Even the police wouldn't go into the walled city of Hong Kong. And she oftentimes was dealing with uh, heroin addicts, women that were heroin addicts coming off of heroin. And she had this little small room in the walled city where she slept. And oftentimes it would be filled with girls or women coming off of heroin and they would be on her bed. And so she came back to the United States and she made a statement that really stood out to me. She said something like this, you may have your own bed, but I know God's grace. And I remember thinking, why does she make it sound like what she has is better than having your own bed? <laughs> and actually that began a pursuit in the same direction, same time period for me when I heard that. And I remember realizing, could it be true that having God's grace is better than just being comfortable in this life? But to have God's grace, I need to step out of my comfort into this, what I'm calling an awkward zone. And that's where God's grace is made manifest. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we enter into that awkward zone, probably a good way of describing it is that we have to humble ourselves because usually we look weak, we appear foolish, there is nothing easy about it to our natural man. It goes directly against our bent towards self-glory. It goes directly against our bent towards self-comfort, towards self-approval. Everything about it is off in, in our natural man. And yet God gives grace to the humble. You want grace, then you walk in humility. You walk in God's direction. You follow Jesus Christ down the narrow way. Grace to go into the awkward zone. So not only do you find grace when you get into the awkward zone, but I think some of you as you're hearing this are sort of like me. It's like, well, how do you get into the awkward zone? Because I, I, I'm clinging to my comfort zone. And this is where we need grace as well. We need to come to Jesus Christ and acknowledge our need afresh. Lord, I have a, I have a problem. And that is that I don't have a barb in my life that can just sort of take me by the hand and lead me across that threshold of obedience. And my natural man isn't inclined to this. I, but at the same time, there's a spiritual side of me that craves 
moving forward with you. And I want to go where you want me to go. I want to cross that threshold. I want to stand by the cross in the middle of Bourbon Street. Lord, what needs to happen inside of me? Come to him and he will grant you grace to step, to move even into the awkward zone. And that's, that's our God. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Or we could say he gives us everything we need to step into the awkward zone. Matthew 10, 18 through 20, And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaks in you. So that's the classic awkward zone type of scripture there. In other words, God's saying, do you trust me? When you step into this territory, instead of saying, but God, how will this work? How will this work? How will this work? He said, I rule in this zone. When you trust me, you will see that I will work in you and through you. And any of you that have ever gone evangelizing, you know that principle that you get up to speak something or you have that moment where someone's staring at you. And I, I, I wouldn't doubt that you've had moments where you feel like your tongue is tied and you know it's like a thick felt eraser in your mouth and nothing right is coming out. But you've also tasted, the more you've walked in grace, you've tasted the fact that God gives you words. He gives you insight. He speaks. You don't need to worry about it. Your job is not to figure out how all the details are going to take place. Your job is to step. Your job is to go where he is. Luke 21, 14 through 15. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. What a promise. There are moments that change our lives and define who we are. Listen to this. And they are all in the awkward zone. Every significant moment in my life where I have grown in that supernatural dimension, they all come out of steps of obedience, difficulty, challenge, awkwardness. <laughs> That's just the zone. So this message traverses all of our life. There is a territory of obedience that God is inviting us into. I'm not saying it's easy. God himself calls it a narrow way, which the word narrow in the Greek would translate as a way of difficulty and compression. And it says fewer those who find it. Fewer those who step into the awkward zone. But actually, that's the way of our king. Our king walked that narrow way, and he has called us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him down that awkward path. I have uh, three stories. You had to come to Ellerslie, uh, and I'm not trying to tantalize you with this, but uh, Monroe, Louisiana, the sleeper car, Mount Horeb. I'm not going to go into those because I feel like it would potentially distract. My stories are my stories, even though they're good and they're very impacting for me. One of the things that those three stories tell me immediately, all of them happen in the very early stages of my spiritual development, but they set a trajectory. And my growth was defined by those, the awkward zone. All three of those are massively awkward stories that you know make you laugh out loud. Uh, and yet, for you as well, our key is not to try and preserve that which is comfortable, but to be willing to let go of that which is comfortable, to follow our God into that which is maybe more difficult, 
that which challenges us, that which puts us out of our comfort zone and into the awkward zone, which is where the grace to live this life is truly found. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.